Welcome to Beyond Dollars and Cents. My name is Holland Henderson, and this is the Risk and Reward Podcast. And today is my very special and esteemed guest, uh, Chad Jones. How's it going, man? I, I feel special. So yeah, I, you are. I, what about esteemed? You. Do you feel esteemed? No, no. I, and I do believe that you've taken a great risk for very little reward <laughs> in having me on this. I was going to ask you: Is this going to be the best part of your day? <laughs> it's, you know, it is because uh, it, it's been a it's been a very busy day. So I, I enjoy this. Well, this is this is what has to happen, right? We don't we we work probably thirty steps from each other, and then I have to ask you on the podcast for you to actually spend time with me. Well, yeah, and you paid me, of course. <laughs> That's so. true. We weren't supposed to tell anybody. <laughs> oh, that. fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. I don't. I do not pay my friends. <laughs> I do not pay my friends to be friends with me. Just ask him on the podcast, force them. <laughs> right. How's it going? How's life, man? It's going very, very well. Yeah, um, things are going well. It's 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 uh, it's one of those things where you're like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Things are going so well. Oh you wow! Know? Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, well, it is uh, Halloween time. It so. is. It is. So I'm, I'm sure it could come around the corner anytime. But you know, cool. Uh, no, it's going well. Awesome. So introduce yourself, Chad Jones. Yeah, Chad Jones, a financial advisor, 30 Steps, as you know, from uh, Holland, Holland Henderson. Uh, you I put am that, the, put I, that on your business card? Uh, yeah, I am the president of the Holland Henderson fan club. Uh, <laughs> uh, recently fired myself as secretary and appointed myself as president, <laughs> just because I could. Uh, but uh, now, uh, yeah, I, I partner with Isaac Hartman, who is a fellow certified financial planner and a chartered financial analyst. And uh, yeah, just things are going great and Love and life. Awesome. Well, I asked you on the show today so that we could talk about financial fears, right? So it is kind of Halloween time. So I thought, hey, let's talk about fear. fear. (laughs) I mean, what's scarier than fear, than fear itself? Introduce my guest, Michael Myers, (laughs) certified financial. Well, I mean, I was going to say, which, you know, which villain in a scary movie do you think would probably be a better saver? Like as far as financial, I just didn't work out. It didn't work out in the planning. Yeah. You know, which one do you thought would be a better, the best money I think manager? longevity alone, Michael Myers. I mean, the oh, dude's gosh. been 40 for like decades. So, gosh. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Whatever he's doing, he's doing it well. <laughs> it's the skincare. Right. It's all in the skincare. It's the mask. There, there's, there's it would be an interesting stat to find out which villain grossed the most money. Like, yeah. I feel like we, I think yeah. we need to look that up for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's, it's got to be Jason Voorhees with like 18 different Friday the 13th movies. I'm oh, yeah. Sure. Well, Blair Witch is up there because they're, they're, they have the Guinness Book World Record for cheapest film with the largest revenue. Oh, but it wouldn't, point. but I mean, they did, they didn't do 500 sequels. Sure. And have box office hits and right. stuff like that. Yeah. I um, like Halloween. Do you like Halloween? No, I don't think I've ever seen one. I'm a chicken. No, the the, the, the holiday, the, the holiday in general. Oh, I thought you were talking about the movie. No, <laughs> like the movie franchise. No, uh-uh. <laughs> I mean it combines candy. Right. I don't dress up. Like I don't. My wife said, "Hey, do you want to come to this dress up party?" Like it was a birthday party for somebody, and I love the people. They're great. But I said that's a trap. And she goes, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> Automatically, I made it about myself. I said, "What's going to happen is I'm going to dress up, and then everyone else is not. They're going to be wearing polos and regular shirts and stuff, like or regular right. pants. And I'm going to be fully full regalia of whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be like, oh man, this is. So, I mean, maybe I'm introducing my own personal fears there. Yeah, but I just don't. I don't really get into it all that much. I mean, you'll still find pictures of the past with me dressed up, but I, I like handy candy and I like hanging out with my kids and watching them go trick or treat. Right, it's a, right. it's a fun time. Yeah. I, we enjoy it around our household and we, we don't decorate a lot, but we enjoy having fun with decoration. So Halloween's like the perfect holiday to have, I mean, almost anything goes. 
So to that end, we bought two five-foot uh, articulated skeletons. Oh, dang. And we've been putting them each week. My daughter and I have been putting them into different scenes. <laughs> See, that's fun. Yeah, I you know, had a great time. So the, the first thing, they were burying a dead body in the front yard. You know, <laughs> scared the next-door neighbors a little bit. But uh, And then the next scene, uh, one of them was trying to get on the roof while the other one was already on the roof in a in a raft with a sun hat, you know, and now we have them posed as washing my son's car because where my son parks his car, it's perfect. So I have them set up in the yard like they're washing his car. Oh, that's so, brilliant. Yeah. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. Now, are and, these like real skeletons? Like were these real people at one time? Well, they were five foot tall. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, maybe. I, I, I don't know, man. They're, I mean, they're, they're pretty big. Target or like some sort of hospital or something? Yeah, Amazon, baby. Really? Yeah. Well, they could come from anywhere. Those things it, could be anything. That's true. That's true. Well, fantastic. <laughs> Well, so I want to lead today off with a stat. Um, I don't know if you saw the. There's a credit card commercial or a bank commercial out there where it's like it was. It gave a number that three fourths of Americans uh, worry about their financial situation on a daily basis. So I went ahead and looked up the stats, and 77 percent of Americans report feeling anxious about their financial situations. 58 uh, percent feel uh, that their finances control their lives, which is crazy to think about. Fifty-two uh, percent have difficult difficulty controlling their money-related worries. So, not even necessarily are these people in bad financial situations; they're letting their fears just consume them. Sure, right. So, first thing, I mean, it's a loaded question because I, 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 mean, I, I can speak to my practice and what I do, but I, w- I want to talk to you about it. Do you see a lot of worry as an advisor expressed through your clients? Certainly, yeah. You know, when you, there's so little control. Uh, of, of, of what's going on with that, you know, preparing someone uh, and getting them to retirement. Uh, little control over the market, that's obvious, but also very little control over life events, right? So uh, you kind of know the big ones that are probably coming, both positive and negative. Uh, but at the end of the day, we don't know what could happen to us week to week, you know. So uh, certainly there's w- worry there, and it's founded. But I think as long as you sit down and like any fear or worry or or uh, potential disappointment, as long as you sit down and you plan for it, you know, uh, prudently, uh, you're, you're more than likely you're going to be just fine, you know, over the long haul. And 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 any any fear, if you sit down and you ask the why question, I used to have a uh, a mentor in the army. Uh, he used to always tell me, he goes, "You got to ask why six times. <laughs> if you don't ask why six times, you'll never get to the root of a problem." You know, so when a soldier comes up to you or there's a situation and they present a problem to you, if you don't ask why six times, you will never get to the root of that problem. Was this super annoying for your kids? It has become very, <laughs> yeah. <Okay>. So, <laughs> but there's some truth to it. I mean, I don't count out six, but I, I, that's always stuck with me. When there's a problem, there's an issue, and it's not immediately obvious, ask the question why, right? It, 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 it's a bit of a crutch, but it does present new and more information. Now, was there, a founded, was there a founded reason for the six, or or do you think it's just... Uh, I, yeah, I, I think he just made it up. I you know, wanted to sound uh, profound, but uh, it, but the, the whole idea was you don't have all the information when you are initially presented with a problem, right? So when someone sits down in the office, they're like, I'm really worried about this, or I fear this, or I'm like, okay, why? You know, it's a simple question, and it's open-ended, and it gets them talking. And your perspective on why you might be fearful of something, and my perspective on whether or not I'm fearful about the same thing, could be completely different, right? So they might, hey, I'm afraid of the market. Well, I'm not. Let's move <laughs> forward. You know, th- that's not a good enough answer. You know, right. hey, you've hired me to do a job. Don't worry, I'll do it. You know, have no fear. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that, but seriously, you know. So you sit down, okay, well, why? 
why do you hold that fear? And what is fear? So we, we talked about this a little bit in your office uh, earlier today when I saw the general topic was fear, and we talked about the uh, FDR, his, his quote, an article speech or something yeah. like that. You know, have nothing to fear but fear itself. And I said, what's funny is everybody can quote that, but the second half, I remember at one point seeing it was something about it's unjustified terror that leaves you, uh, that paralyzes you from necessary efforts. Okay. I think that's an interesting part of the quote that should, we should all remember. What does the fear do? It paralyzes you from doing necessary effort, right? So I want to address the fear. I want to talk about what you can control and what you can't control, what's rational, what's irrational. Let's put a prudent plan together, okay? Let's not paralyze ourselves because of this fear, and let's push forward. And that's courage, right? Yeah. And so I got to see that on display a lot in my time in the Army. Anybody who's been in the military, certainly, you know, you can't get rid of fear, but you can do something that, that you're brave and you have courage to move forward despite the fear. Absolutely. Well, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. So we're talking about fear. I, I completely agree with you. Um, you know, it, it is uh, fear is just a natural reaction, right? It, it is a protective measure. There's nothing wrong with fear. It's it's kind of the steps after that of what you're going to end up doing with it, right? Um, if it's going to paralyze you from an action, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. You know, what um, if we identify the fears? But one of the reactions to fear is inertia, right? And we've talked about that on this podcast as well as on 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 my blog, um, but. When fear paralyzes us, and especially in a financial situation, to where we just can't, we can't move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you see that commonly in your practice of people that are coming in off, you know, from different venues, having never used a financial advisor before, or and maybe they did, but they're coming in and saying, "Ah, gosh, I don't, I've not done anything because I'm afraid of X." Yeah, so that's where you need. Uh, in my lived experience, you need good leadership, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you can imagine most, uh, you know, I'm always going to go back to my military experience because I, I did it for 20 never years. never get tired of hearing about it. <laughs> oh, I, I think some people probably do. At least I feel that way because I, I feel like I'm always talking about it. Um, <laughs> I enjoy it, but It's man. such a, <laughs> it's such a big part of who I am, obviously. Uh, but, you know, you think about the average age of the soldier, the foot soldier in Vietnam was 18, 19 years mm. old. And, and we don't have to go all the way back to Vietnam. We now have Iraq and Afghanistan. It was still kind of the same thing, you know, probably around 20 years old, I believe, was the average age. Um, and there's plenty of reason in a firefight to have fear and not want to move forward. And during those times, you know, the people who inspire courage, bravery are usually the leadership, not always, but usually the leadership that stand up and say, follow me. And and people suddenly they get up and they move and, and, and everything's okay. Whereas if they'd have stayed where they were and stayed paralyzed, uh, you know, more than likely there would be more ca- casualties uh, than not. And I know we're not necessarily talking about life and death, but it does – it's analogous to what we're talking about now. So someone walks in your office like, look, I – I had so much fear uh, in March 2020 when the market went down 35%. We're still dealing with this COVID thing. I, you know, I pulled some money out. I never got back in. You know, they need our leadership. They need uh, that's why they're coming to see you in the first place. They're looking yeah. for that leadership. They're looking for a reason for someone to mobilize them. Absolutely. So, so what do you think is feeding fear these days? And, I, and I'll kind of lead off with one example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you speak of of the COVID thing, but. Um, you know, just our environment right now with with COVID, with the pandemic, with shutdowns. I mean, there's obviously market fears as well as could I lose my job fears or, you know, uh, people who don't want to take the vaccination. You know, do they want to resign from their position? That Those types of things. 
So that would be one. What would what would be another one? Sure, media. I mean, the twenty four hour news cycle. You know, uh, it, it, it's funny because on on one side you're getting these constant black swan events. You know, mm-hmm. or, or seemingly black swan events. These these uh, these uh, effectual uh, type events that may impact your life, may impact your money. And I say it's kind of two sides to it. The other side is if you just wait a couple of days, that goes away, and there's there's a set of new ones, right? right. So no, don't be fearful of that. Just close your eyes for a couple of days, then that'll be gone, and it'll be replaced by another black swan potential event, you know. Uh, but th- that's an endless cycle that can ins- inspire fear in a lot of people. Yeah. So uh, you know, to tag team it, again, uh, uh, social pressures. Yep. You know, uh, so what I see other people doing, why is that not my story? Sure. Right. And so we don't ever know what the full we don't know what the full scope of someone else's story is. Right. Um, you know, how are they able to afford that vacation, that school for their kids, dot, 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 bring it down. Right. You know, how are they able to do that? And we seem to be in the same income brackets. You just never know the full story. Right. Right. But that fear of I'm missing out because, or I'm doing something. FOMO. Yeah. yeah. FOMO. FOMO. Uh, or the unknown. I think you were kind of touching on that. You know, whenever we have the unknown in our lives, we fill it with either trust or suspicion, mm-hmm. right? More often than not, we fill it with suspicion. It's easier. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> trust so, Trust. I could get hurt. Right, so. exactly, exactly. Suspicion. Exactly. It, it, exactly. Trust, you can get hurt, right? So if you look up the definition of fear, it probably says something like something that's dangerous that can cause me pain. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so you're like, all right, I, I won't get as hurt if I put suspicion here and I just stay away. I keep everything at arm's length. Oh, yeah. That's the reason why I watch those trust fall fail videos. Oh, oh those are fantastic. <laughs> I'll never trust another person again. Right, right. <laughs> just jump. No way. Uh-uh. I just won't fall backwards, uh, you know, uh, moving forward. So. <laughs> Uh, financial decision-making, making making the the decision, you know, right or left, right? It doesn't matter which way I've got to go, but am I making the right decision? Just analysis or paralysis by analysis. Yeah, sure. Because I think a lot of people, uh, look at decisions. Um, I don't know if unilaterally is the right word, but just on one level, uh, again, critical thinking usually happens on several levels. You know, if, if you're doing it correctly, you know, in the army, we'd say a strategic operational and tactical level. And I think you could say that for a portfolio as well. You have your strategy. You have your asset allocation that meets with uh, the retirement that you envision. You have your operational level, which is what kind okay, I got an IRA account. I've got an annuity. I got, you know, how do we, how do we um, uh, concert the effort between these things? And tactically, you know, what are the day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month changes that potentially need to happen? And, And when life events happen, okay, how do we flex? So whenever you get stuck on a decision, a lot of times you're stuck because you're not thinking of the full complexity of the issue. Again, on those those multiple levels, and once you can pull back to that thirty thousand foot view and kind of see everything in concert, this, the decision becomes much smaller. Yeah. If that makes any sense, and you can move on it a lot easier. I've also noticed that time, you know, yeah. just just letting things kind of play out for a minute. If I don't have an answer, it doesn't mean, and it kind of goes back to one of your original points. I don't have to have an answer right away. Right. If I've got, if I can ask the question why six times, and just in myself allow myself to process the situation before I make a decision, because I I would say that my nature is ready, fire, aim. Right. right. It's just it's very. I want to. I want the problem to go away as quickly as I possibly can. And that would be, you know, I just want to fix it. Let's patch it, even right. though I'm, I don't know if there's a greater issue there. Right. 
And some stereotypes out there would say that's a guy thing, right? We just want to fix it. We, yeah. we want to, you know, get the, get the drawer uh, done and close it, and go on to the next drawer. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I deal with the same issue, and you're right. I think that's the best thing to do is step back, give it some time, see how things develop, uh, ask the why question. You know, yeah. sometimes I'm using that to give myself time because I don't know how to fix it in the, in the immediate uh, sense, and just be like, okay, well, why, why? And that allows time to pass and allows me to collect more information. Yeah. Uh, family expectations. How, how, how would you see those causing fear? I, I mean, to me, you know, um, sometimes when I see a, a newly married couple, right, yeah, they look at their parents and they say, hey, they have all this. They can go do these things. They immediately assert themselves to those positions. Or maybe you have a well-to-do family, right, and, and someone that, that did not come from means that married into it. So you'd have those family expectations. Right. 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 Uh, yeah, I, I think you should do all planning based on what someone's going to die and leave you. Oh, man, that's no, the best. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you know, that's because uh, that's your example, right? Uh, in, well, not in, just in that, but just, you know, the way that I look at my economics based on how my family looks at economics right. and feeling that pressure and that fear. Right. There's different generational changes from millennial generation X and boomers. And, and you think about, about boomers have 51%, I think is uh, the statistic I just made up. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> no, I think it is somewhere around there, you know, of the world's wealth boomers command about 50% of it, mm-hmm. right? And that makes sense because they're in social security age on average now. That represents there's like- There's a lot of them. There's like three three or 30, it was one of those two, but it's trillion, I do yeah. know that, of assets that are going to transfer at some point, you know? And I don't know if I'm getting to the uh, heart of your question, but millennials, they look and they see, like you were, you were setting this up, that what they have and what they're dealing with, and they're looking at what they don't have. And no, you don't plan on those assets- yeah. coming to you. But you know what? You just got to remember that over time, they, that wasn't had handed to them. You know, yeah. that was built. So you're going to have the same opportunities in a general sense, probably just through different modalities, to build the same life for yourself. Is that what you were? No, but that's still good. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm always good for that. Fantastic. <laughs> um, what about just bad habits that we've put into ourselves and creating those fears? Um, you know, we had Blake Scheidt on, on here talking about... Um, is dieting and exercise and stuff like that. And he kept just hammering me. He's like, Holland, you know, you're, you need to get out of weight loss mode because mm. I had gained a couple of LBs. Right. And then right. I went into weight loss mode and he's like, you need to focus more on what are your goals? He's like, you're so afraid of gaining those things back. And right. so I think that we are all either actively fighting. We're behind the wave in our bad habits or we're afraid of the bad habits that we used to have. Right. Right. Yeah, I I have one central uh, bad habit that I'm constantly preaching about uh, that we that every one of us carry, and that is our definition of rich. Mm. Uh, so what I mean by that is the the bad habit and the fear that it it generates in a lot of people when it comes to finances is if I ask a five year old and I ask a ninety five year old, they're generally going to and everybody in between is generally going to have the same response if I say, what's the definition of rich? Or give me an example of rich. They're all going to say something along the lines of stuff, right? Yeah. A a fancy car, a big house with a pool, you know, these uh, extravagant vacations. That's rich to most people because that's what that definition definition is supported by, you know, all of our media, right? It's the wrong definition, right? Because it's an appetite mentality. It's never fully and finally satisfied. And that's where the fear comes from. You know, you think you make it to a certain point and then you look back and, and say, well, I'm not rich. I need to get rich, you know, because I don't have – I have these things now, but I don't have those things. Yeah. 
But if, you, if you're a 40-year-old and you look back at your 30-year-old self, your 30-year-old self would look at your 40-year-old self and say, you're rich, mm-hmm. you know, based on the things you now have that I was hoping to have 10 years ago. I hope I didn't lose anybody there. But the idea is the proper definition of rich is it's, it's emotional. And the emotion is created by the gap in income and expenses, yep. right? So I may have somebody who makes $500,000 a year, but they're living broke at a high level because they're spending everything that's coming in. Sure. And then you give me someone who makes $50,000 a year, and they're living on $30,000 a year. That person is more rich, I would submit, than the previous person sure. because emotionally they're fine. I say I use the analogy. I know you're an analogy guy. I am an analogy. Go, going up to the Grand Canyon, okay? Yeah. If you go to the Grand Canyon and you hang your toes over the edge, okay, you're not enjoying the Grand Canyon. Nope. Your entire focus is not falling into the chasm and to your death, right? You can't enjoy the people around you. You can't enjoy the views. But take 20 steps backwards, just 20 steps backwards. You're still at the same place. You created margin, you yeah. gave yourself breathing room, and you can enjoy the beautiful sight in front of you. You can talk to your kids and, and, and create memories, uh, and you don't have to worry about falling into it. It's the same thing with finances, mm. and that's the fear we impose on ourselves when we carry a definition of rich that means stuff because it's an appetite. Yeah. My dad, he took us to the Grand Canyon, and he was bound but determined to find the place that didn't have rails or people. Right. You know, to, you, know, well, you don't have to go far. To you find don't, that. and he found it. <laughs> And I, my mom, I thought she was just going to stay in the car the whole time. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a break and we'll be right back. All right. So we're back and we're still talking about fears and we're just, I mean, we're just not going to stop. Not going to stop. Not going to stop That's talking healthy. about it's That's healthy. healthy. Super healthy. You got to face your fears, man. Sometimes you got to talk about them. Right. All day. All day. All day and all night. Uh, so, um, I want to talk about specific stresses. Like, so we t- we talked about overarching, ar- overarching, overarching. Sure, overarching? I'll go with either, either, one of those. either. Yeah, uh, that's why we work with numbers. <laughs> that's right, not words. <laughs> um, and then just you know specify them. So you know, finances in marriage, right? right? So you know, what are some of fears that you see? I, I kind of want to identify them, and then you know, what are some of your solutions? And we'll just kind of hit hit a bunch of them. Yeah, a common fear. Uh, is the final realization, oh, crap, this whole time one spouse has kind of run everything and the other spouse has no idea what's going on. Mm. You know, they basically just receive an allowance and they're happy to do so. Right. You know, so there's a sudden fear by the person who uh, pulls the purse strings like, what if I'm not here tomorrow? Yeah. You know, what do they do? You know, is it, is it, is it enough just that they come see Holland? Right. Or, you know, does there need to be this plan outside the plan, if you will? Uh, so you see that a lot, uh, that, that, that type of fear. Uh, you'll see uh, fear just uh, in communication. Uh, you know, a lot of times you'll have the couple as clients, obviously, but only one of them shows up to the meetings. Yeah, you know, so the, that might be a little fear on the financial advisor, part, right? You right. Know, like, hey, I'm feeding you all this information. How's it getting uh, disseminated? How's happening? it getting disseminated? And we know that the true emotional leader of the family is the other spouse who's not there. Right. Right. So yeah, that's great. Everything you're saying, but and maybe something's lost in translation. You never know. Right. So there's some some fears in that. One. I think that's the reason why that we sh- it's so valuable that both both spouses enjoy the financial advisor that they're that they're using. Right. right? The the one that and, and there's a good connection with both because you don't know. I mean, it's not. It is not typical for both spouses to pass away at the same time, right. um, and you never know when someone's gonna uh, is going to be out of commission, right. either through illness or death. Right. And um, it, but it is also important to have those conversations on the side. I would also just say, um, you know, tr- you know, trust should come 
as a component in marriage, but it's amazing on how that money can almost break some of those bonds up. Oh, yeah. It becomes very suspicious um, as soon as things either are spent incorrectly or not saved correctly. And, and you know, there can be some down talk to want the weaker financially, you know, spouse. Right. Yeah, I'm going to nerd out on you a little bit Please here do. because I love this subject area. And I, I already covered this uh, in my podcast talking about kids and money, so I'll, I'll try to give the, the short version uh, in case uh, listeners have heard that one too. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you've already <laughs> bored me with this. Fast uh, forward. But, uh, yeah, but uh, financial behavior, you know, successful financial behaviors in the house is what truly leads to success, mm-hmm. right, with, with your finances. But what's interesting out there in the literature mostly is financial literacy. Hey, if you improve your financial literacy, your finances will get better. So I got to do this research project basically where I found out that no, financially – and that was figured out before my research. There's this big meta-analysis. All that means is taking a whole bunch of research and and pulling it all together and say, what does this tell us? And it told us that changes or improvement financial literacy affected financial behavior by 0.1%. Okay, I don't know about you, but that's small. <laughs> you know, so, but we have all these programs, improve your financial literacy. And it's important. I'm not saying financial literacy and understanding that kind of stuff is not. But what I saw in my research, not only was financial behavior, or excuse me, romantic partnership and the communication therein as important as financial literacy. In a lot of cases, it was more important. And certainly as the relationship grows and people get older, it stays important and financial literacy starts to wane as far as its importance. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, it's just very interesting to me that as you get older, those concerns can be assuaged not by learning what a mutual fund is, but by working together and talking together and understanding the plan, whether it's estate planning, you know, what happens if I die? What happens if you die? What if what happens if we, you know, tragically both die in the same instance? Uh, so just, you know, yeah, prudent planning comes into play. The analogy that I've used is it, one's not a boss and the other is an ungrateful employee, right? If you're both in partnership, you should be both driving each other to do better, right? but driving each other, obviously in a very loving way. Right. Right. That I, I think that would be it. What about parenting? And I would, I would. What I, about it? Yeah. But what about <laughs> it? What are your financial fears about parenting? I mean, those jokers yeah. take a lot of money. They do. They do. That's why I told my kids that, you know, you're you're either going to go to Polk State or you're mm-hmm. going to get a full scholarship. You know? <laughs> right, so, right, right. <laughs> I have told them – or not told them because they're little guys. Nothing wrong with Polk State. Okay. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> Polk State's great. It just happens to be the cheaper option in most cases. Right. Uh, I, told my, I told my wife, I was like, I'd like to keep an Excel spreadsheet and see which child was the most expensive. <laughs> you, it, no, don't do that. Right. My fear would be that they would find that. Exactly. And they would feel like that was my love tied to right. that. Um, but I would say, you know, one of the fears that comes in is education planning. Yes. Right. Um, as far as parenting, or you could even say with new parents, um, what's what are these things going to cost? And I just always tell them a lot more than you can possibly imagine. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, but, and, and there's a lot of programs available to people. Yeah, obviously, the 529s, you know, yeah. that, that we always talk to them about. And if your fear is, well, yeah, I might, who knows if I put enough money into it? Well, there's also the 529 prepaid, right? Right. By the way, 529, that's one of my pet peeves. 529 covers both of those. There's not the 529 and the prepaid. Right. 529 covers prepaid option and investment option. Right. So it's all, it's all under the code of 529. But, you know, just again, meeting with a financial advisor, doing prudent planning, you know, as early as possible with your, your kid, you can answer that bell. And, and assuage those fears. And again, you just come back, why are you fearful? Well, I'm afraid that that's going to wreck my retirement if I'm just saving all my money for my kid to go to school. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we can address that because there are some irrational uh, aspects to what you just said. 
Yeah, and I think it's different different strokes for different folks. I mean, folk, folks. I mean, I, I I think you that that is the important part of putting a plan together is figuring out really what is the most important and what you can do. Right. Right. If if money grew on trees, it would be a different story. But in everybody's life, it's a finite resource, right? And so we we have to make sure that that uh, what we're planning for is what we can accomplish. So what about estate planning? What you about know? it? No, <laughs> I'll just keep doing that to you. I appreciate you know? that. It's not annoying at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in estate planning, I mean, there's fears with that. Um, it, yeah. It's so funny. I will send my clients and ask them to go see a, an attorney. We'll either refer them or they already have their own attorneys. Um, but it, it's they will get so ground down in the details of who gets what. Sure. Right. And and it's just that. And it's not necessarily a who gets what. I should take that back. But it's who's going to take care of me when I can't speak for myself. And then also, how are we going to divide up the assets? Right. And I'm, even, you know, this is, you know, some people might say this is rich people problems. But, you know, let's say you saved well and you have a lot of assets that you know you're not going to spend through. And you're passing on, you know, how does that affect you know, the work ethic of my children, how does that affect, you know, their wanting to continue to be a meaningful member of society, you know? Yeah. And then there are fears on the front end before you even get them to the estate planning attorney or sitting down writing a plan. The fear that if I start doing that, I'm making, I'm making that contingency real. Some people don't want to deal with it because they don't want to talk about death. They don't want to talk about uh, what happens if you're no longer here or I'm no longer here. So they will literally use that fear not to plan. Yeah. And I, so I, I, we've talked about it before. We've had uh, Will Harrell with Miller Law come in and talk about estate planning um, and several other people. And I know we talk about it a lot, but I really, from the age of 20, right, or the age of 18, when these kids are, we're sending these kids off to college, we should be doing estate planning at that point in time. At the bare minimum, they should have powers of attorney going off and right. saying, hey, we can speak on their behalf if something happens. And I think that is caring for people. I really do. And caring for ourselves. It, even, even if you do your estate planning now and then think about it five years and say, man, we got to go change something, it's worth doing it now. Sure. It is definitively. So, I, you know, it's just that that you don't want that inertia. You don't want that inability of saying, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this stuff done, you know, later once I get it all figure, figured out. I mean, it's just it's not going to come. That, that part's just going to be late. Right. Uh, there's a guy, you know, I, I sometimes he's too intense for me, so I don't listen to him often. There's a guy named Jocko Willink, yeah, which yeah, I yeah. think you're aware of. And he's got this book called Discipline Equals Freedom. And I love, I, I've heard that before. I'm just saying that because I know there's that book is, is out there. And I've always heard that phrase before, discipline equals freedom. And discipline in this case is in the planning. Discipline, and it will free you from your fears and it will free you to understand that you've gotten things taken care of, mm-hmm. right? So the discipline is sitting down doing the planning. Another analogy, because I know you like them. You know, I, I tell people often, you know, don't get so focused. You know, if you're you're getting in a boat and your destination is the other side of the lake, don't get so focused on the other side of the lake, okay? Let's take some time to go, what do we need to do? Let's pull in the anchors, okay? Uh, let's put on our safety vests. Let's uh, check the conditions. Let's see if there are any boats in the area. You know, do the prudent thing so that when you turn the key and you go, you've done the discipline thing. You've waited. You didn't get all excited and take off and burn out the engine because you're dragging anchors and kids are flying out without <laughs> without safety vests, right? <laughs> you've done the prudent planning. So now you can truly enjoy the journey as well as the destination. That's awesome. So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. 
All right, we're back. Hot off the the boat, the boat analogy. <laughs> All right, so the last one, and we'll we'll finish up with this. But um, the market, right? So that's always a concern. People come in, um, you know, the ups and downs. What you know? What's your advice to people? Market, yeah. You talk, so Publix, uh, public, yeah, Publix or just any prices are super, up and down on supermarkets. On carrots. I, I mean, if you can find one of those grass markets, true. straw market, straw, not grass. It's that's true. Post grass. Straw. Yeah, you lost me. I, it was a terrible joke to begin with, so I Thank apologize. Thank you. I appreciate it. I yeah. laughed. <laughs> so what was the question about the market? What about the market? <laughs> what about the market? The ups and downs. The ups and downs of it. So what, yeah. what, what's your advice to the to people that are? Uh, yes, there are ups and downs. That's, Fact. that's, that's factual. It is factual. absolutely uh, factual. Uh, yeah, you know, um, our concern isn't, isn't the volatility of the market. Our concern is what has the history of the market over the long term told us, right? Uh, we can't guess. We Well, we can't guess, but there's no way we can know uh, what the market's going to do. Uh, Warren Buffett uh, famously said, I don't know what the market's doing today, tomorrow, next week, but I know what it's going to do 10 years from now. Right. Right. And he doesn't know, but he's basically saying in 10 years' time, the market is up you yeah. know, from, from the point 10 years ago. Right. So and I don't know what the overlay is now. You might know whether it's six or seven years. It's impossible to find a time, you know, in the market. You overlay that amount of time where it's not up from point to point. Uh, it may be six, seven, eight, but it's certainly less than 10. So when he made that quote, he knew what he was talking about. Yeah. Right. So when people come in with the fears that, you know, markets up, markets down, the market seems like it's been really high. It's been kind of trading flat. It, it, we're just waiting for a big fall. I, maybe, maybe, I don't know. But the question should be, what is your asset allocation? How much time do we have? What is your risk tolerance? Where are we trying to get? You know, how, what, what amount of money in today's dollars is going to make you comfortable in retirement? The answer to those questions outside of the market, because the market's going to do what the market's going to do. Yeah. But as long as it's up, you know, 70% of the time and down 30% of the time, which I believe is the proper averages, you're going to be fine. Yeah. And it, it's a, it really is about time in the market and not timing the market. Correct. And I, that's where I think a proper allocation comes in. I mean, we, we you know, talk about that subject a lot around here, and especially at the firm, but making sure that your allocations are appropriate, that you're not just chasing gains, that you are moving your portfolio in the appropriate manners, but ultimately it's diversification and just proper planning. And and it should, it should help subside some of those fears and some of those worries. Right. Um, right. Just real quick, you know, will I have enough and – you know, outliving my assets. Sure. And that's where I think the planning, uh, you know, software, we got great software, everybody's got great software, but, uh, you know, and there, there, I'm sure there are online calculators. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in there. <laughs> right, right, right. See what I did there, stock. Wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into it. No, but or your go, social security go, number. Yeah, exactly. Go see, go see a planner uh, and go see a Holland, come see myself. And, and we have the software system that can iterate and do the Monte Carlo simulations. That includes the inflation piece and can kind of show you Okay, you're worried about Alev and your assets, but right here we can clearly see that you can, you know, live the way you say you want to live, clear out the 96 years old. You know, if you come into a back handsprings at 90 years old, then we, we, we will continue to flex that plan. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just want to hit a couple of things. Um, one, and I'd love for, for your feedback, money speeds things up, right? I mean, that's – I've noticed that, that it, it, either if money is coming in quickly – People are making quick decisions or if money is an urgency, right, there's a gap between I, I need I'm quick to make decisions because I'm seeing what I need to. It's just triage. 
Right. Right. So how can we slow things down? First of all, do you agree with that? Yeah, sure. I, I, I agree with that. Uh, and I go back to the discipline equals freedom, you know, mm-hmm. discipline over what you were doing to begin with before things started speeding up for you. And fantastic. Things are speeding up. More money's coming in or what have you. It doesn't mean you need to speed up your decision making. It doesn't mean because the 24 hour news cycle is speeding things up for you that you need to speed up as well. You talked about giving yourself time, giving yourself, uh, you know, room to think uh, in that nature. So discipline equals freedom. Stay with your disciplines and it will equate to freedoms down the road. Awesome. Um, I, I feel like generosity is a big part of calming fears and worries. Huge. I think. And so my analogy, right. My analogy for that is, um, generosity is like uh, physical therapy, right? So if I've injured my hand, one of the things that I need to do is I need, I need someone to stretch out the ligaments, stretch out the muscles to make sure that my hand doesn't close back up, you know, just that type of. I I feel like generosity is one of those things where it pries your hand open. Sure. And it keeps it that way so that you can say, okay, this is finite. This doesn't define me. And then also you get to see someone else in a, in a different situation than you that needs your support financially right. right, or time or other things. Right. You know, what's the top of the pyramid is self-actualization, right, for human beings. I, I think that's true also for your finances. The top of the pyramid is generosity. That's that's, you know, you're self-actualizing what you are truly trying to get to all along. You know, at the bottom, you're paying debts off. You're building this emergency fund. You're starting to save for yourself. You're protecting your, your kids' uh, college opportunities. You're paying off your house. And what's the final thing? And, and I basically just recapped Dave, uh, Dave Ramsey's Seven Baby Steps, which, by the way, I mean, he's just a brilliant business guy who marketed it well. It's not, you know, that stuff's been around for ages in general. But the last thing is always being generous. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the that's the end state. That's the goal. Because if you're able to be generous, then you've mastered all these other disciplines. You know, you've assuaged all your fears and worries for the most part when it comes to finances. Because if you're giving it away, then you have you've you, you've reached the golden ring, so yeah. to speak. And so the final, uh, I guess, the final tip would be you need a support system. Absolutely, always in all things. Yeah, I mean this this life is hard enough to go at it alone. I think, obviously, we are big fans of having a financial advisor, a planner, but I think you need some trusted people around you to help you make decisions and challenge your decision-making, um, and it doesn't need to be just sequestered off to either you and just you and your spouse. Yeah, don't, and don't let your pride get in the way. Yeah, ask, ask what you think is a dumb question. Right. I really do think that. So, as I always finish, uh, two questions. What are you reading or listening to right now? Uh, I just finished uh, for the second time that Alain remembered uh, by Patrick oh, Smith. Oh, yeah. I've been meaning to read uh, that. I love that. Hey, yeah. If you're from Florida, uh, uh, you know, we got we got our producer, John, in the booth here. He's, he said he's born and raised in Florida. And I think anybody who can say that should read this book. Oh, it's okay. basically the, the quick synopsis is it's a factual history of the state of Florida told to a fictional story and family. And it's really, really good. He is kind of likened to Florida's Mark Twain. He's not Mark Twain, <laughs> but he it's that type of a storytelling. That's pretty cool. Uh, so what are you most encouraged about in either your business or the world around you? I'm encouraged. I, this is my chance to brag. Um, my son just uh, you know found out recently that he was accepted to West Point. And uh, I, we're, his mother and I are, are over the moon about that and so excited about his potential and what, what that's going to mean for his life. So I'm just inspired uh, to see kids wanting to serve still. You know, he's he's always going to be my baby, right? Even though he's about to turn 18 years old and he's made this amazing decision to serve his country. And 
It's not just about West Point. It's just about the fact that he wants to go serve his country. And there's lots of kids like him that want to continue doing that uh, and want to continue, uh, you know, growing their their education and their faith and uh, in their character. That's pretty cool. What year in West Point will it be that he can take his dad down? Oh, probably the <laughs> second year I'm going to go with. He's not ready yet, but probably by the second. Y'all year, should have yeah. like just a just a straight up you know wrestling match every year. He comes back to finish up his year. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much. Um, tell people. I tell people how they can reach you. Yeah, you can reach me. Uh, I'm at Allen and Company. Uh, it's uh, Chad.Jones at LPLFinancial.com or C Jones at AllenInvestments.com, and it's eight six three six one six six zero five four. Awesome. Again, I'm Holland Henderson, also with Allen and Company. Uh, reach us, reach out to us online at AllenInvestments.com. There's a there's a bunch of great podcasts, Risk and Reward, uh, Children and Money, and uh, have a wonderful day. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult with an appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Guests appearing on the show and their respective companies are not affiliated with LPL Financial and Allen & Company. Investment advisory services offered through Allen & Company of Florida, LLC, Allen & Co., and its affiliate LPL Financial, LLC, LPL, Registered Investment Advisors. Securities offered through LPL member FINRA SIPC.